Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the June 23rd edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you by my title sponsor, that is the Security Federal Bank. Security Federal has 17 locations between Columbia County, Georgia and Columbia, South Carolina, and one of the best ways to support local matters is to support Security Federal. Just like local matters, Security Federal is here for you. Today's show is also brought to you by my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. My firm provides services to local government organizations and nonprofit organizations throughout the Southeastern United States. And uh, this radio program and podcast is just one of the public services that we provide to the community and to our clients. If you missed an episode of Local Matters and you would like to catch it, that is very easy to do. I know with a radio program, there's one broadcast Wednesday afternoons at 1.30. If you miss it, tough luck. But because I also offer this in podcast form, you can catch that anytime you want to catch an episode by going to janiceallenjackson.weebly.com. I have a local matters tab there on my website and you will find any show that I have done. And by virtue of the technology made available to us via SoundCloud, you can share any episode with someone by email or via text. Um, You can post it on social media, uh, anything that you want to do to help get the message across uh, when I have shows that are of particular interest to you or those that are in your networks. Last week, my show was about homelessness. Uh, I talked about why there has been such a rise in homelessness over the past uh, several years, uh, really going back 10, 20 years or more. You've seen a stark increase in the number of homeless people, particularly among families that include children. Uh, I talked about homelessness in that context, and that follows on two other shows I had done related to the homelessness situation in our country. Uh, One of those uh, addressed uh, specifically downtown Augusta, uh, talked about how at a time when we have an increase in homelessness, we also have an increase in the number of upscale apartments being developed here in our area. A previous episode addressed the issue of what the city of Augusta is doing uh, about homelessness, how they're uh, trying to relieve and address that problem. So that's a three-part series that I would love to uh, have you listen to. Uh, In addition, uh, as as we look at upcoming shows, uh, one of my upcoming guests will be Mr. Ken Macon. He is the host of the Making a Difference podcast uh, that has been around even longer than Local Matters. He's been doing it for several years and has been a radio personality in our community. Uh, He was intrigued by that series on homelessness, and he's going to come in and sort of talk about his impressions of where we are with our homeless issues here in our community. Also upcoming, 
um, will be a three-part series on uh, what I hope to be a three-part series on the growth at Augusta University. As, a, as we know, that's one of our major institutions and has been for a long time. Uh, we see that it has expanded from being the little uh, Augusta College up on the hill uh, to something now that has multiple campuses. And uh, we want to address the impact that that is having on our community and uh, our quality of life here. I also look forward to putting together a future show on redistricting. You know, we completed the census in 2020. Once the results come in, it is the job uh, at the local, state, and federal levels to redraw political boundaries. So we want to describe that process to you and let you know how you may have some impact upon it. Uh, also, as always, I'm keeping an eye on the court battle related to the uh, shifts in the Augusta Judicial Circuit. Uh, you know that the state legislature and the governor have approved a Columbia County Circuit. You also know from some of our previous shows that that has been challenged uh, and we are going to follow uh, that process. But that's enough about past shows. Let's talk about today. Today's topic is Juneteenth, and in light of the activities that took place this past Saturday, I kind of want to reflect on that, but first by explaining what Juneteenth really means. As always, you know, I don't like to shoot off the cuff. I like to do my research. So I went to uh, history.com news to provide a description of what Juneteenth really is and how uh, this holiday has come about. Juneteenth is short for June 19th. And this marks the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people be freed. The troops arrival came a full two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. Juneteenth honors the end to slavery in the United States and is considered the longest running African-American holiday. On June 17, 2021, it officially became a federal holiday. Confederate General Robert E. Lee had surrendered at Appomattox Courthouse two months earlier in Virginia, but slavery had remained relatively unaffected in Texas until U.S. General Gordon Granger stood on Texas soil and read General Orders Number 3. The people of Texas are informed that, in accordance with a proclamation from the Executive of the United States, all slaves are free. The Emancipation Proclamation issued by President Abraham Lincoln on January 1, 1863, had established that all enslaved people in Confederate states in rebellion against the Union shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. But in reality, the Emancipation Proclamation didn't instantly free any enslaved people. The proclamation only applied to places under Confederate control and not to slaveholding border states or rebel areas already under Union control. However, 
as Northern troops advanced into the Confederate South, many enslaved people fled behind Union lines. In Texas, slavery had continued as the state experienced no large scale fighting or significant presence of Union troops. Many enslavers from outside the Lone Star State had moved there as they viewed it as a safe haven for slavery. After the war came to a close in the spring of 1865, General Granger's arrival in Galveston that June singled freedom for Texas's 250,000 enslaved people. Although emancipation didn't happen overnight for everyone, in some cases, enslavers withheld the information until after harvest season. Celebrations broke out among newly freed Black people and Juneteenth was born. That December, slavery in America was formally abolished with the adoption of the 13th Amendment. The following year, 1865, freedmen in Texas organized the first of what became the annual celebration of Jubilee Day on June 19th. In the ensuing decades, Juneteenth commemorations featured music, barbecues, prayer services, and other activities. And as Black people migrated from Texas to other parts of the country, the Juneteenth tradition spread. In 1979, Texas became the first state to make Juneteenth an official holiday. Several others followed suit over the years. In June of 2021, Congress passed a resolution establishing Juneteenth as a national holiday and President Biden followed by signing that into law on June 17th. As you know, there were numerous Juneteenth celebrations here in the Augusta area, area and throughout the country. Uh, here, those celebrations were particularly well attended and they included public services like vaccinations for those who have not received their COVID shots. They included motivational speakers and they addressed other means of helping our community and motivating us to get out and participate fully, fully in our right to citizenship. While I understand and appreciate the hard work that took place to organize those events, and we appreciate the teamwork that it took to pull those together, I always wonder if people keep the need for constructive action at the forefront. So what we see is these celebrations have mirrored what the former slaves did way back in in the 1800s, uh, the food, the dancing, the music, the celebrations, but it is critical that we not lose sight of the work that has to be done in order to create the type of communities that would mean uh, and resemble the type of freedom that we expect and deserve. Translation let's not celebrate too much when there is so much work to be done. Just today, a little earlier, I participated on a panel discussion related to redesigning public safety for the 21st century. That is, that session was done as part of one of my professional organizations, which is the National Forum for Black Public Administrators. 
uh, I, as well as some other public administrators, address topics like building trust and legitimacy with police and between police and communities, policy and oversight, and officer training and education. We discussed how local officials, both elected and appointed, have so much work to do to ensure that they are safe communities for us to live in. That notion of building safe communities and improving police community relations is just one example of the numerous things that must be done to demonstrate that there is a sincere interest in improving the quality of life for all. That list goes on to include things like eliminating health disparities, creating equitable access to quality public education, creating opportunities for wealth building through self-employment, through home ownership, and any other means that would mean that we could see Black wealth increase in this country. I recently heard a statistic that said that African Americans earn about 60% of what white Americans do, which in and of itself is a concern. But a bigger concern for us is that the wealth among African Americans is only about 10% of what it is for white Americans. So the notion of building wealth is a goal that we cannot lose focus on as we pursue uh, political justice, economic justice, et cetera. Um, building safe communities uh, is one goal um, that is just critically important to me and it's something that on the local level we have a good deal of control over. While I firmly believe that the country's unprecedented focus on people of color and the approval of Juneteenth as a federal holiday is a nice symbolic gesture, we have to work to create the society that addresses equality and equity for us. As Congress contemplated the Juneteenth holiday, I looked towards the words of Reverend Dr. William Barber, who said the following, some are calling for Juneteenth to be a national holiday. How about we go further and pass health care and living wages for all, a fully restored Voting Rights Act and reparations, etc. Please don't just ask for a holiday, but make it a holy day of repentance and reconstruction. Later, after the holiday was approved, uh, Reverend Barbara made a speech in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, and I have included some audio from that speech for your listening pleasure. What must Juneteenth be? Juneteenth must cause us all, not just black folk, all Americans of moral consciousness to say we will remember but when we will remember, it will make us refuse to relax or to retreat when it comes to justice. Because we don't have physical slavery today, but we still got slavery. Too much of this country is enslaved to lies. They're enslaved to meanness. They're enslaved to homophobia. They're enslaved to racism. 
they're enslaved to xenophobia and the hatred of people that are different. And the truth of the matter is, until there is equality, freedom is not enough. Because none of us is free until all of us is free. So Juneteenth can't be a party. We can't even let governments and cities take over Juneteenth because they'll mess around and water it down. If you're not gonna have the right government and they take over Juneteenth, you won't even know it's about slavery when they get finished with it. Same is true with Juneteenth. Touch, say to your neighbor, say neighbor, it's all right to remember, but we can't relax and we can't retreat. We got to stay at this thing until everybody gets the message and everybody gets the memo because 156 years after the first Juneteenth, some people still have not got the message. They think their supremacy is all right. They think their racism is all right. They think their greed is all right. But touch your neighbor and say, they better get the memo because we ain't gonna let nobody turn us around. That's all I wanna say. I wish somebody was, wasn't, was okay with standing up and say this Juneteenth must be about, we will remember, but we'll never relax and we'll never retreat from the fight for justice. Juneteenth must say to us, none of us is free until all of us is free. That's right, I feel like preaching some. I'm telling you, Juneteenth got to be a spiritual event. It must be about we're going to love one another. We're going to lift one another. We're going to help one another. Every time you come to Juneteenth, it ought to revive us. It ought to recharge us. It ought to restore us. It ought to re-engage us. Every time you come to Juneteenth, it ought to embolden us. Come on and help me, man. It ought to engage us. It ought to encourage us. It ought to enliven us. Every time you come to Juneteenth, it ought to push us. It ought to propel us. It ought to prompt us. It ought to prepare us. Every time you come to Juneteenth, it ought to steady us. It ought to strengthen us. It ought to secure us. It ought to solidify us. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, we will remember, but we will never relax. We will never retreat. If they didn't give up back then, we can't give up now. Somebody ought to say this Juneteenth, we put a line in the sand. Ain't gonna let nobody, 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 nobody turn us around. Say yeah. Shout remember, 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 but never relax. Remember, 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 but never, ever.
In that same speech, Reverend Barber said that we cannot celebrate Juneteenth. We must commemorate it and reconsecrate ourselves to the principles of justice, freedom, and citizenship. Now, exactly who is Reverend Dr. William Barber? Well, he's president and senior lecturer of Repairers of the Breach. He is co-chair of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. He's a bishop with the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. He's a visiting professor at Union Theological Seminary, and he is pastor of the Greenleaf Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Goldsboro, North Carolina. He is also the author of four books and the architect of the moral movement, which began with weekly moral Monday protests at the North Carolina General Assembly in 2013. And he recently relaunched again online in August of 2020 under the banner of the Poor People's Campaign. In 2018, Dr. Barber helped relaunch the Poor People's Campaign, which was begun by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in 1968, starting with a historic wave of protest in state capitals and in Washington, D.C. He has called for a moral agenda and a moral budget to address the five interlocking injustices of systemic racism, systemic poverty, the war economy and militarism, ecological devastation and denial of health care, and the false moral narrative of Christian nationalism. Now, ironically, I learned just as I was researching this, that Dr. Barber was at Duke University at the exact same time that I was. He completed his master's degree in divinity at the same time that I completed my master's degree in public policy, but I didn't know him at the time. I encountered him for the first time that I recall when I lived in Charlotte many years later, sometime around 2005, when he preached at a church that I happened to be visiting that Sunday. Later on, he made his mark on a national stage at the Democratic National Convention in 2016 when he spoke on the topic of, we need to revive the heart of our democracy. Since that time, he has continued to beat the drum for a mix of the gospel and public policy. His belief and mine is that local, state, and federal policy is best when influenced by a sense of morality. At a time when many others have shied away from speaking directly from scripture, even ministers uh, have shied away from that um, because it did not seem popular or politically correct, uh, Barber has distinguished himself by his overt willingness to insert scripture in the context of public policy. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from him is that Jesus set up free healthcare clinics everywhere he went. He healed everybody and never charged a leper a copay. There is no religious left and religious right. There is only a moral center. The scripture is very clear about where you have to be 
to be in the moral center. You have to be on the side of the poor, the working, the sick, the immigrant. And of course, I say this not so much to glorify Barbara, uh, even though I think he is on the right track with his issue. I say this not so much to preach to you, even though you know at the end of every show I offer you uh, my favorite scripture. But I do say this to help us reframe our approach to certain things and to remember uh, why Juneteenth was so significant, but at the same time do the work that's behind creating the freedom that it was designed to uh, recognize. Uh, we have moved forward, praise God, from a period of slavery. Uh, we have certainly made some advances. Um, you will recall that going back over a year after uh, the George Floyd uh, murder took place, uh, I said at that time that I believed that it was going to be a turning point in some respects for us. So I do think that that is one of the reasons um, because of that very public murder. Uh, that's one of the reasons that uh, there's a renewed interest or a new and unprecedented interest in uh, Juneteenth. But again, let's not focus so much on the celebration uh, as we focus on the work that has to be done to ensure uh, that our country is what we have professed uh, it to be. So, um, the celebration and the work uh, has to take place uh, every day of every year. Um, as Bar uh, Barbara called upon us uh, to not lose focus, uh, let's not do that. Let's let's in this way uh, follow his lead uh, and let's uh, ensure that the work that we do uh, advances us so that we can feel better uh, every subsequent Juneteenth about the accomplishments that have been made to accomplish uh, equality. I know some of the topics he addressed are very controversial, you know, when he brings up reparations uh, and things like that. Um, and I remember when I worked in Charlotte, uh, we had a, a gentleman, he was a citizen who was considered pretty radical. Uh, he would come to county commission meetings and he would talk about why there had to be reparations. And at that point, uh, one of our uh, county commissioners said, well, you know, maybe at some point we'll be ready to have that discussion. Uh, it does appear as if our community is going to be uh, willing, our community and our country, are going to be willing to have uh, similar discussions. Uh, I watched a video just recently, somebody shared it with me, and it was about some of the systemic injustices that had taken place, uh, largely because of uh, law and policy at the federal level uh, that resulted in segregation, uh, loss of wealth, uh, disinvestment in Black communities. And I just, uh, call upon everyone to open your eyes, uh, be receptive to uh, truth. There's no way to address problems unless you come to terms with the fact that you have them. Uh, so I hope that is the sentiment that will come eventually out of uh, Juneteenth. Uh, let's look at the celebration, but let's look underneath that uh, to look at those systemic factors that have kept us in a situation where we have no peace. 
uh, in our country as we conduct that conversation this morning about police and community relations. It is so apparent that we are in a bad, bad place with that. Uh, and we've got to figure out how to get ourselves in a good place so that we can truly achieve uh, safe communities, healthy communities, well-educated communities where there is equitable access to wealth. And I think it will only be at that time where uh, we reach the point in the United States uh, where all of us can uh, have the feeling that this is a country that is truly looking out for our interests. Thank you so much for being a part of Local Matters today. Uh, I've taken on a pretty heavy topic, but I certainly hope you appreciate the spirit uh, with which it is intended. I'll talk to you later. See you next week. Bye-bye. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.